Will God still forgive me? Will God still forgive me? I think it's very easy that when we're faced with our brokenness, our, our sinfulness, um, to wonder uh, still if, whether God will forgive us. All right, and sometimes our intellect, we, we know maybe that yes, God is merciful, but uh, in the midst of our shame, um, that voice, that question can seem very overwhelming for some of us. And for some of us, um, when we're really aware of, uh, again, like our undeservingness, or if that's a word, right? Our lack of worthiness of God's mercy, it can prevent us from even approaching Him, of asking God for His forgiveness. But what if I told you that our worthiness or lack thereof is not a condition that God places on us in order to receive His forgiveness? So you could see this um, uh, all throughout Scripture, including in our gospel today. Now, if you look at the parable of the sower, one detail that's often overlooked in this parable is the nature of the sower himself. The sower is sowing seed left and right. He is generous with the seed that he sows. And as you notice, it, it falls on all different types of ground, ground that's not very likely to bear fruit. A hard surface, rocky ground on thorns, and some on good soil. Now, from a human perspective, this may seem silly. Why not plant seeds where there is a greater uh, likelihood of success? You know, I'm not a farmer, but I would imagine that, I would assume that someone who really, would really want an abundant harvest would be strategic and think, okay, let's look at for the best plot of land where the soil is the most richest and um, where seed will mo most likely grow and then focus all your energies there. But the sower in the parable that Jesus gives does not approach the harvest in this way at all. And that's because the sower in the parable is God, and God does not think like human beings do. God is generous with where he sows seed, even on ground from a human perspective, is not likely to bear any fruit. He sows seed there. And that's because it's not on the worthiness of the ground, right? The, the likelihood, the, um, right? The, it's not on the value of the ground that he puts seed on it, the measure of um, or the condition by which he sows, but rather it's his generosity. It's his love. That's the reason why he sows where he wills and is generous with it. And then precisely because of that love, right that god showed us the greatest of generosities when we were least deserving of it romans 5 says but god demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners christ died for us no one in the history of humanity that has lived that is living that will live is ever deserving of the mercy of god what god has done for us on the cross and yet scripture testifies for god so loved the world that he gave us his only begotten son. Even in the midst of our, our separation from the Lord, scripture says while we, while, while we were still enemies to him, Christ died for us. Our worthiness, our deserving of his mercy was not the condition of him forgiving us, nor is it needed for us to receive his forgiveness. And to really understand that in its depth, we have to remember that the reason why God does that is because of who we are and whose we are. If we, uh, for those of us who are parents uh, or grandparents, 
Do you remember the first time that you held your newborn baby? Remember, maybe at the hospital, maybe you're exhausted or tired, but um, do you remember holding your, your newborn infant? And do you remember the love uh, that you had for your child? Now, let me ask you a question. As you were there just delighting in your child, did your child do anything at that point to deserve your love? Well, practically speaking, no. They did nothing. Then why are you loving them? Because of who they are and whose they are. This child is not just any child, it's a child, but is your child. It is your son and your daughter. And for that reason alone of who they are, who they belong to, you love them. Well, it is no different with God. God chose to. He wanted us to become his adopted children by his act of saving of sacrifice on the cross. And so if we were to ask God, why does he love us? The answer would not be because we are really holy, because we're successful, because we're, uh, we're people in which his word is likely to bear a lot of fruit. No, it's because of who we are and whose we are. God's beloved son, God's beloved daughter. And for that reason alone, because we belong to him, God loves us. And so it is not our worthiness, right, that merits God's forgiveness or his love, but God's love for us and who we are in him. Now, let me share you a story of a man who himself would also say, by himself in the views of the world, was uncompletely not deserving of God's forgiveness and love at all. And yet God forgave him and his life transformed as a result of it. At 19 years old, Alessandro Serenelli was born on June 2nd, 1882. He was sentenced to 30 years in prison in Rome for the murder and attempting to force himself upon 11-year-old Maria Garetti. Now a psychiatrist having evalu evaluated Alessandro due to the shocking nature of the crime, uh, determined that he did not suffer from any mental insanity. And Three months after the crime, the, crime uh, the same psychiatrist interviewed him and asked him the question if he was remorseful for what he had done. His answer was no. Um, in fact, he began to blame uh, Maria herself. He was transferred to another prison where he spent three years um, in solitary confinement and hard labor. And while still unrepentant, in that same third year, something enormous happened. Alessandro had a dream that was a catalyst of his conversion. In, in his dream, uh, his prison cell turned into a garden and it was filled with abundant sunshine. And in it, he saw a girl dressed in white, a beautiful girl, who as she approached Alessandro, he recognized as Maria, the girl he had killed. And as Maria approached him, Alessandro became fearful and he wanted to actually run away from her. The tables were turned in this dream. And as Maria was approaching Alessandro, she began to pick up flowers from the garden and she picked up uh, white lilies. As she stood before Alessandro, she began to hand Alessandro uh, each of those lilies that she plucked one by one. In total, uh, uh, as Alessandro received them, Right? Each one turned into a small flame. In total, Maria gave him 14 lilies, 
one for each of the wounds uh, that Alessandro inflicted upon Maria. Now, when Alessandro woke from that dream, he knew precisely what that meant, and he became a changed man. In fact, his behavior was so different that he was let out of prison three years early. Now, what did that dream mean? Alessandro knew what it meant. And for us, to give context, uh, to understand what this meant, you look back to when Maria Gretti was just about to die. She was in the hospital on her deathbed, and she made a prayer to the Lord. She had looked over to the crucifix by the hospital bed and said this, God, I forgive Alessandro, and I desire that he be in heaven with me. So Alessandro knew that Maria forgave her, him, and yet still didn't affect him until this dream, and this dream after seeing again Maria saying, I forgive you, and gave him 14 lilies for every wound that Alessandro inflicted upon her. Alessandro knew and experienced God's forgiveness. And so he woke up a changed man. When he went out of jail, uh, though changed, he was still not completely free. Free in one aspect because the police would still uh, keep tabs on his location, he would have a curfew, but also he could not escape his past. Because Maria Goretti, at this time, was entering the process of canonization, meaning she was in the process of becoming a saint of the church. And so as her story uh, spread throughout Italy, so too did Alessandro's role in, uh, in Maria's murder. And so people began to recognize Alessandro. In fact, he had the, the name of the monster. People referred to him as, there's the monster who did such an atrocious crime. And yet the first thing Alessandro wanted to do out of prison was find Maria's mother. And with the help of a local priest, he was able to locate her and goes up to Maria's mother, Asunta. And he knocks on her door and asks her if he recognizes uh, Alessandro, who he is. Uh, Asunta says yes. And there Alessandro asks uh, Maria's mother if she forgives him. And, Maria, and Maria's mother said this, God has forgiven you. Maria has forgiven you. And I too forgive you. Asunta's mother forgave Alessandro. And know that because of uh, this death of Maria, right, uh, Asunta became a single mother, right, because her husband died earlier. She was in charge, of far, in charge of five children, and Maria was helping her in raising the younger kids. And so this was significant for many reasons. Asunta forgave Alessandro, and even after that moment, decided to adopt Alessandro as her adopted son and welcomed him into her family. Later on, in order to provide Alessandro relief from the widespread societal rejection um, that he was experiencing, um, he was uh, brought into a Capuchin monastery to live as a brother and live there in exchange for working for the Capuchins. Even there, right, he was placed in jail again for 15 days because he was falsely accused of theft. Uh, one of the lay brothers there, uh, not brother, a lay uh, worker, uh, was, did not viewed Alessandro as competition, so he falsely accused him of theft. Because of that, Alessandro, when he was released from prison, had to move to another uh, monastery. And nevertheless, despite all of that, 
he decided to live a life of prayer and penance. He did not want to go to the canonization mass of Maria Goretti. Instead, he listened to it by radio, grateful for the one whom he called his guardian angel, the one who uh, led to his conversion. Now, if Alessandro was present here today, standing before all of us, he would be the first one to say that he was undeserving and unworthy of any of the forgiveness given to him, any of the act of love and generosity shown to him by Maria's mother. And yet, it was given to him. And yet, Alessandro accepted it. In fact, often people would say to Alessandro, blessed are you who will go to heaven because Maria Goretti has promised it to you. To which he would always reply, it is not true. It is not true because no one has to deserve paradise. Alessandro knew that no one married, especially himself, deserved what was given to him. But it was all a free gift from God's generous love, love shown to us on the cross. And despite Alessandro knowing his unworthiness, there's a picture of him at the Capuchin Monastery and you see him smiling. I think it'd be really easy for Alessandro to have lived the rest of his life in self-hatred, have rejected the forgiveness of Maria, of God, of Asunta because of what he had done. And yet, instead of choosing that, he chose to relish in the joy of being forgiven. He chose to relish in the joy of being forgiven. And because he was there in that state, began to look forward to heaven. He looked forward to seeing Maria again, his uh, Marietta, as he called her affectionately, who he always was grateful for her role in her forgiveness and bringing him to God. And so uh, as he died in the monastery, many of the monks there um, testified to the peaceful death that he had. In fact, there were some people who would ask for Alessandro's intercession saying, go pray to Maria for us. Right, pray to Maria for us. And even the headlines when the media heard of his incoming death would say, the monster uh, dies the death of a saint. And so my brothers and sisters, yes, none of us are deserving of the mercy of God. None of us are worthy of his forgiveness and love. But that is not a condition God places on us. For even while we are still sinners, God loves us. He forgives us and we can receive his mercy.